welcome to the Story Story Night podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Holmes. Today, a special podcast teaser to preview our theme for November 28th, Full Plate, stories of biting off more than you can chew. Because tonight, Story Story Night serves up true stories on a theme, live on stage and without notes, with four fabulous featured storytellers followed by an open story slam with a sizable prize package. Doors open at 6 p.m., and the show starts at 7 p.m. Advanced tickets and more information at storystorynight.com. Now, we bring featured storyteller Jenna Thornborough from Parental Guidance to our studio to tell a full-plate story about biting off more than she can chew in an overseas abduction scheme. There's this town in India that's just absolutely beautiful. It's a lake that's surrounded by thousands of white temples, and surrounding that is this deserty mountain hillside. And it's quite a touristy town because it's so beautiful with all the temples and the lake. And also a lot of the Indians come uh, to be religious uh, they there's tons of sadhus entering the lake. Um, people are giving puja or prayers where, where they're filling uh, like little bowls full of incense and flowers and uh, giving their offerings to the gods. And when I was in Pushkar, I'd been traveling, backpacking around Asia for about 10 months or so. And I think that I must have been bored with the typical touristy stuff. Um You know, my days were filled with another temple, another culture, exotic and beautiful place. And, um, you know, it was like, ah, just more, more touristy stuff. And I think I was ready for real adventure. Um, When I was in Pishkar, I'd met up with a group of people from Spain and started hanging out with them. And there's this other guy from Belgium that was hanging out with them as well. And uh, we were supposed to meet at four o'clock in the afternoon to go on a hike and go camping and watch the sun set from the highest point around and have drum music and things like that. Um, And at breakfast, I was walking around the town and I ran into the Belgian guy, Mike, and uh, he was this super, super sweet guy hippie guy that uh, had been traveling for years. He probably was homeless, um, you know, and penniless, essentially, but his lifestyle was um, just hanging out and enjoying life. And he had a real strong consciousness. You know, he wouldn't fly because of his carbon footprint. And he was just very, very sweet and concerned about um, what his impact was on this planet more than, you know, thinking about what could go wrong. And he told me that he was on his way to go meet with um, a guy to talk about taking some jewels to Australia, and he was going to get $10,000. And they weren't even going to make him fly. They were going to let him go via boat. And I was like, Mike, don't go. It's a scam. And he's like, no, 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 it sounds legit. You know, I really want to go. And I was like, well, if you're going to go, can I go see what the scam is? Can I go with you? And he's like, yeah, sure, come on. And so we went and met with this guy named Jay, quote unquote, <laughs> in, uh, in behind this little chai or tea shop in like the back, dark back room. And uh, 
while we were there, they were, you know, kind of talking business, and I couldn't quite figure out what the scam was, and I was completely curious about what the scam could possibly be. And this guy, Jay, is like, you know, I really think that we could use you guys. Um, how about you come and meet some of my associates? And during this time, I'm like, no, 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 I'm just here watching. I'm, I'm an observer because I'm positive this is a scam. And so we go to the edge of town, um, outside of the town itself, and uh, go to this fairly nice hotel, and there's about five other um, guys there. And we start talking about business some more, and I'm, I'm still a passive observer. And, and they're talking about, you, you know, the logistics of getting Mike on the boat and explaining to him that the reason they want him to do this and is because they would pay extreme export taxes and um, you can buy up to $10,000 worth of jewels if you're a tourist for your own personal use before you have to start paying taxes. And so it's worth it, worth it for them to pay us the value of the jewels, the $10,000, um, to avoid the taxes at 450%. And I still couldn't figure out what the scam was. Um, you know, they hadn't asked for any sort of money. They hadn't asked for anything. They hadn't asked to look at any sort of documentation. They just needed our passport and a willingness to travel. And during the time that we we were discussing six laborious hours at this hotel, I kept strong that I was, you know, just there as an observer, but they said, no, you know, we could use you. You have an American passport. We want to get some jewels to New York City. And they started on this whole thing where I was going to be involved as well. And I'm not quite sure how it happened, but even though I knew this was a scam, I got roped into it. And they uh, were going to send us to send us out of the country the next day. And so they needed us to go get our luggage. And I, I thought I was being really smart. And so I said, knowing that this was a scam. And so I said, you know, that's, that's fine. I'll go get my luggage. But first, I'm going to have to send emails to my people to let them know that I'm changing location and what's going on. And they're like, oh, that's fine. Just go ahead and go do that. And uh, but you can do it from our offices. And so Mike and I went back to our respective hotels. We were dropped off on the outskirts of town and walked in and got our luggage. And we were on a really tight frame. They gave us like 15 minutes to get all our luggage and everything to go meet them. And then they were going to take us to their offices and uh, get us prepped and ready to go on our, our respective travels with $10,000 worth of jewels. And so... We got our luggage and went back to the hotel and things just kind of lollygagged. And they said, you know, we can't we can't go tonight. We'll uh, we'll go to dinner in this town called Ajmer. And uh, then in the morning, we'll send Mike to Mumbai and we'll get him all ready to go. And we'll send you to Jaipur to and get you ready to go. And so the 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 true scam of it started to unfold fairly soon thereafter um we got into this guy Jay's car to go to dinner 
And we both got in the car together and they were like, no, 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 you go over here and you go in this car. And so Mike got out of the car and I got out of the car with him and went to the other car. And they're like, no, 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 go, go. They were trying to separate us. And so they were trying to get him to go in the other car again. And we both got out and he just grabbed my hand and we went in the, in the same car again. And there was some visible tension coming from our, our friend named Jay. And he gave us the whole rundown of, you know, how this is a lot of money. And if we're going to be business partners, then there has to be some trust. And we explained to him that they do this all the time and they're comfortable with it and, and we're uncomfortable. And so we need to stick together. So we go and we have dinner. And on the way back, I have no idea how this happened, but we ended up in separate cars. And in my car, what was going on was this guy, Jay, was telling me that, you know, uh, the reason they wanted us separated is because they thought that they could do business with me because I've got this great passport and I'm believable. And they don't think that they could do work with um, Mike because of his appearance, his long dreads, and he doesn't have any money to his name. Um, you know, like he kept all of his money on, in cash on his person at all times. And, and so they were explaining that to me. And in the meantime, in his car, they were explaining to him that they didn't feel like they could do work with me because I was so young and that, you know, he was more believable and they could do work with him. And then during the course of the conversation, they um, let us in on what the scam was. It was, you know, they told me that we have to demonstrate that we have adequate money to have bought the jewels. And so they're going to need a copy of my bank statement or, you know, like for me to put down my credit card or whatever it was. And then I was like, aha, there's the scam. And you would have thought that I would have been satisfied <laughs> because that was all I really wanted to know. My curiosity the entire time had been, well, what is the scam? Um, but for some reason, I did not get out of the car and go back to my hotel room at that point in time, even though I had it solidified that I knew what the scam was. And so we go back to the hotel and um, I start hiding like my social security card, my credit card, my debit card, all that kind of stuff in my sanitary pads, in my sleeping bag, in my backpack, and acting like I was just getting ready to go the next day. And the next day, um, we ended up getting separated where they they decided to take me to Jaipur um, and they were taking Mike to Mumbai and in the morning I had already started this new quest I was going to be Nancy Drew and so in the morning I'm trying to take pictures um, of there had been five men um, at that point in time in Mike so I snap one trying to get one of three people and this guy Kevin and this guy Jay just like jump out of the picture and I get one of Mike and I was like oh come on for the adventure pictures and they, they had none of it they, you know oh we don't like pictures and that kind of thing so I start taking pictures of the license plates of the car and unfortunately most cars have um, their license plates in uh, Roman numerals and alphabet but for whatever reason this car in my life was in Hindi. 
Um, so I, I'm trying to be sneaky and, you know, like leaving my camera on record, acting like it's just off and in my hand, trying to, you know, angle my wrist to get a good picture of this guy, Jay, or the other guys that are there before I noticed that I'd accidentally left my camera on. And then I'm by myself kicking myself for knowingly being in a scam and alone in a car going to another city that nobody knows I'm going to with the exception of this guy, Mike, who is also in the same situation. And I'm with this guy, Jay, taking me to Jaipur to get me ready to go to New York City and get $10,000, supposedly. And while we are in the car, um, you know, it's just kind of very nerve wracking. (laughs) So we stop and he needs to send an email to someone. And we go to an internet cafe and there's only one computer open and he goes and he sits down at that computer. And uh, um, while we're sitting there, um, I start memorizing things, you know, this account, this account, um, all these different things I'm trying to memorize and somebody gets up and leaves from the computer and I walk right over to the computer and start typing out an email, you know, with the make and model of the car, all five guys' names, um, the fairgrounds where we had our hotel um, and like very cryptic notes like Belgian, Mike, and send it to a friend of mine who had traveled, and I didn't think that he would be as freaked out as somebody like my parents getting an email like this. And then Jay says, come on, let's go. And I notice on his cell phone at that point in time that there's the name Raj, and uh, I figured that his actual name is Raj. And he discloses to me at that point in time that some people call him Raj. Um, And... So we go to Jaipur, and they're whining and dining me, trying to make me think that it's a legit situation. So we go to this fancy polo game, and then we go to like a a palace that had been turned into like a resort uh, restaurant, five-star, very um, posh. And we check into a posh hotel, and of course, the whole time, and being Nancy Drew, memorizing the locations, trying to... um, put everything to memory so I can take these guys down. And uh, we hadn't eaten all day. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I'm meeting new associates, all these associates everywhere that I'm meeting. And they're trying to get me to drink. And, uh, and I say, I don't drink. And they're trying to get me to um, give them information. And I've come up with this elaborate story about how I only get money from my parents' Western Union and my parents have control over all of my money and give them a pretty legitimate story that kind of did happen while I was in Taiwan. um, There had been a scam where video cameras were um, identifying people's PIN numbers as they punched them in. And so people's whole life savings had been um, just disappearing because they'd used an ATM. Somebody had the the numbers of their cards and their PIN numbers and were being able to uh, wipe them out. And I had had issues with my card um, that turned out to be fine after I had been in Taiwan. And so I told them this story, and that's why I don't use plastic money. And... Uh, You know, I'm sticking strong to the fact that my dad, Western unions me money ever so often, and that's my only means of getting cash. 
and uh, you know, and, and in the meantime, they pay for stuff in a credit card. And I'm like, oh, there we go. I know the place where we were and the time and what was paid for on that credit card. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so this dance kind of goes on for days, though. For days, I'm stuck in this hotel room and kind of starting, well, not kind of starting, feeling a little bit captive. Um, the entire time I've been with these guys, I've been instructed not to speak to anybody. Um, they're constantly with me. I can't go do things on my own, anything. Um, and we're, we're doing this dance where they keep asking me to demonstrate the money, and I keep telling them that I have no way of demonstrating money. Um, and uh, so in this demonstration, they take me to uh, this this woman, Surat's house, for her birthday party. It's this Austrian woman that's been living in India for years. It's her 60th birthday, and she's married to a 28-year-old Indian who's in another town. And... Uh, they're saying, you know, um, just ask your dad for money, you know, tell him that you have money. I'm telling him, no, I don't have anywhere near this money. And I'm supposed to meet them in Thailand for Christmas in a couple of months. And so even if I told them that I got ripped off, there's no way that they would give me full access to my money. And uh, why don't you just show me? Why, why do I have to show legal transactions? Why? You know, why can't you just assume I paid cash? And, you know, their side of the story is, oh, that would never work in India. Um, you have to demonstrate where you got your money from. And I was like, well, then why don't you give me money? And then I'll just give you your money back. And they're like, well, how would that work? And I was like, Western Union it to me. And they're like, that would never work in India. And you know, the entire time I continue to do detective work, like I'm left alone in the car for a few minutes and I start scrounging through everything and I find somebody's bank statement um, named Sarah from the United States and I take pictures of it and I'm constantly doing stuff like that. Like I'm told to wait on a roof and I figure that it's Raj's house. So I'm taking pictures of the street and I'm taking pictures of everything. And finally, I start throwing fits, um, you know, telling Raj, you know, you can't use me. Like, I've told you everything. I'm feeling like a prisoner. I want to go do my my life. I want to go email. I want to go do stuff. And uh, it's been days. And uh, finally, he's like, you wait here and leaves and comes back and tells me, you know what? We can't use you. And uh then he turns around and asked me to pay for the hotel room. And I was like, no, I'm not going to pay for the hotel room. It was a business transaction. And I've been honest with you from up front. And he's saying, well, we did no business and that's your fault. And we're going back and forth on that. And uh, finally, I offer him some sage advice <laughs> and say, don't mix business with friends and, and, uh, kind of leave it at that and leave. And in the meantime, he's told me that he doesn't have any cash to pay for it and that he's good and he'll pay me back. And I was like, okay, let's go to an ATM before I leave then. And then I'll, I'll certainly pay for it if we go to an ATM and you could give me the cash f first. And he's, no, I can't do that. I've already taken out my ATM limit for the day. And as I'm walking down the street, I see him drive by. So I know he obviously did have the money to pay for the hotel. And I get on the bus and I go back to Pushkar. And 
while I'm in Pushkar, I uh, see him driving around the streets looking for me. And so I go find my Spaniard friends immediately who reprimand me thoroughly for being so stupid. Um, and uh, I, I'm a little bit scared because they're there looking for me again in a town two hours away. Like he, he knew that I was going back there for some reason, even though I did not tell that to him. And so I get on the next bus out of town in the morning. And uh, when I get on the bus, there's like nobody else on the bus. And there's one other tourist on the bus. And I sit down and start telling him my story. And he's like, me too. And I start telling him about how I was wanting to do detective work for whatever reason. And I'd been taking pictures and videos. And he's like, me too, me too. And so as the bus pulled away from Pushkar with Nancy Drew and one of the Harding boys, um, we realized that it was an adventure that was bigger than either one of us could actually take on. And just for the record, I did get an email contact with Mike the Belgian uh, a little ways later. And uh, he he had actually tried to get all the money together and he contacted friends and asked them for loans and things like that, but it fell through and he ended up being okay as well. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our directors, yours truly, Jessica Holmes, Anna Dimitriadis, and James Stead, as well as studio instructors Elizabeth McKetta and Kate Riley. Theme song, music, and podcast production are by the fabulous Dan Costello. Hear more at hearcostello.com. Our partners include Boise State Public Radio, the Boise State Story Initiative, Neighborhood All-Stars, The Rose Room, Bricolage and Red Feather, as well as prizes by Boise Guest House and Rediscovered Books. A big thanks goes out to our Story Think Tank, volunteers, and photographer Will Jones. Join us at the podcast table next week for the first helping of stories from Full Plate. Learn more at storystorynight.com. <laughs>